The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, good afternoon. and welcome. There you go, Alex. Go ahead. Go Go ahead. Yes, welcome to Exploring the Word. We are in Galatians 6 today, Jim Stanley and I, Alex McFarland. And I'll tell you, that little uh, train wreck of uh, our voices just now, we were getting into the music, and I thought, well, maybe I should speak, because <laughs> Bert Harper's on vacation, and, but our frequent collaborator and regular partner in this Bible study outreach ministry is Jim Stanley, and that voice you just heard is his. Jim, sorry to talk over you, but welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, brother, and you know, that's a little bit of housekeeping we usually take care of before the program. Uh, it, we don't flip a coin, but we just acknowledge who's going to bring the other in. And so uh, with Bert not being here, uh, I'm glad that you did, and I'm glad you spoke up because I waited just a moment, and then you waited just a moment, and we both decided to start at the same time. So. Well, <laughs> you know, there when you hear that music, like if, if it's a commercial break, there's just this little um, dashboard light in my head, I guess, that says, no dead air, Alex talk, you know? Right. But, hey, Jim, listen to this. And by the way, folks, we are in the New Testament book of Galatians. We've been going through Paul's letter. Uh, very, very probably the first letter Paul wrote, the book of Galatians, and mm-hmm. we're in chapter 6. We'll get there in a moment. But I've had the best three consecutive weekends. I was in Indiana, then I was in Missouri, and just met all kinds of great people. Well, yesterday I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, at Shepherd's Chapel, which is just a phenomenal church. And, oh my goodness, uh, Jim, I mean, it was packed. Some of you that were there in Raleigh yesterday, I mean, it was literally one of those standing room only crowds. We had people that heard me mention it on the radio— Uh, One group drove from Kentucky to Raleigh, North Carolina, and last night we talked about biblical worldview, we talked about a Christian response to the woke movement, and we had pastors from all over eastern North Carolina and families, and for all the the listeners, and Jim, so many people, um, they, they said what AFA means to them, and they listen to the radio network every day, and you know, somebody asked me this, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to throw it to you. Somebody said, everybody on AFR seems so nice. Are, are they really that nice? Uh, tell me they are. And I said, listen, I've been around this this great ministry for a decade. Everybody you hear is exactly who you hope they are, just as sweet as can be. And uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody in Raleigh and the surrounding regions who came out yesterday for uh, a teaching on biblical worldview, and Jim, the AFA family, they really are that nice, aren't they? They are, and uh, it's been my privilege to be here more than 21 years now, and wow. I, I have to tell you, uh, they still put up with me, so I still come <laughs> in. Uh, and no, it, it really is. It's a good place to be. It's a great place to work. Uh, Alex, uh, you were talking about where you were for the last three weekends, unless you you haven't updated your calendar yet. It looks like you're off this weekend. Well, you know, I'm going to be preaching at First Baptist Church of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, they That uh, is such are, a tough gig. 
I know, I know. Uh, hey, this is just one of the great vacation spots of America, and they are hosting Truth for a New Generation in October, October 15 through 17, and so I'm preaching there a couple of times a month for the remainder of this year, because they, they're pastor of many, many years retired, and so, um, you know, I was down there a lot working on the upcoming Apologetics Conference, which, by the way, uh, we're featuring Sandy Rios and Bishop E.W. Jackson and Frank Turek and myself. Uh, the award-winning group out of Nashville, the Bird Songs, will be doing music. And so we've got at uh, the TNG, October 15 through 17, okay, we've got a, a teen track, a biblical worldview for young people. Then we've got a parent track, how to build uh, a home and a family with the, the biblical worldview in the hearts and lives of your kids, and then a general track with things for leaders and pastors and just everyday folk like ourselves that want to see revival in America. And so I was down there a lot working on the conference, and they needed some pulpit help. And so for the rest of this year, I'm there every other Sunday, and, and I'll be there this weekend. So if you're if you're going to Myrtle Beach, or you, I know we're on the air in Mullins, Florence, Dillon, Wilmington, uh, all around that region. They listen to AFR. Come see me. Amen. And if you want to know how to bring Alex to your place, be it your church, or if you want to try and get together with a couple of churches, that's always good, and have an apologetics conference, he's available to do those, and you can find out more at alexmcfarland.com alexmcfarland.com and uh, he he's well worth your time and well worth the investment that he'll make into your young people and adults alike well god well, bless Alex, you jim thanks for making that commercial well you're hey. welcome i'll do it i'll do it anytime uh, we're well, in the sixth chapter I, i've got an old quote you might have heard this and it reminds me of uh, galatians 6 1 that reads this, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any fault or trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jim, I heard an old saying, said, uh, anybody will tell you what you want to hear, but a friend will tell you what you need to hear. Mm. And uh, isn't that almost the import of Galatians 6, 1, that if we see a brother in Christ overtaken in a fault, uh, we need to lovingly, prayerfully, gently say, hey, uh, let's stick with Christ. Um, and and you look, we're not prideful or haughty because uh, any of us could be tempted, but uh, doesn't love mandate that I try to help my brother who might be in danger of stumbling? Absolutely, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that the, the way that you did, because when I looked in the Amplified, you know, there are verses that are just fantastic from the King James, and then there are verses that, uh, you know, the Amplified is, is almost like uh, the, uh, let's see, not necessarily expository, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the commentary there mm -hmm. on the verse inside the verse. And uh, one of the things that it mentioned was that it, we should restore them and reinstate them, but we do it without any sense of superiority. And then also, as you mentioned, with gentleness, but the, one of the main cautions there, a lot of times we as Christians want to overlook because we want to help somebody out. 
we want to do whatever we can. And, you know, sometimes if you're trying to help somebody push a car out of the ditch, you're going to get muddy too. So you want to keep an eye on yourself, as the verse says, lest you should also, you know, be tempted too. Uh, And then we have two folks that we have to help get out of the ditch. And so uh, that that's just one of those things that I like the way that uh, it, by the way, I want to be very clear, the Amplified doesn't say anything about getting a car out of the ditch. It's just, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of times we'll try and, and, you know, I've got a pickup, other folks have a pickup and they want to try and help somebody get out. But if you've got two wheel drive and you need four wheel drive, you got to be careful, don't you? You do. You know what? On the local news here in central North Carolina, I live in the Greensboro area, which is Guilford County, kind of the middle of the state. Um, We don't have all that much snow in the winter, but when we get it, uh, it's pretty significant. And I remember a time or two on the news, they would say, if you have a four wheel drive, uh, the Red Cross needs help. Right. And and meal delivery, if if you have a four-wheel drive. And, you know, when they kind of throw out that general appeal, it the weather's getting pre- pretty serious. But the, in a way, it's saying this, you who are spiritual, uh, restore such a one. And do you know what? I have found when you need to have a hard—sometimes we say this, we'll say, I, I had to have a come-to-Jesus talk mm-hmm. with him. The Holy Spirit will help you. And again, it's never prideful or arrogant. It's out of love. And verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, Jim, I'd love for you and I sometime, we'll get burnt. Let's do a whole show on what might be, quote, the law of Christ. Amen. That's good. And yeah, it includes this, I would believe. Remember, Jesus said, um, greater love hath no man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends. Jesus laid down his life for us. See, like you said, getting a car out of the ditch, you're going to get muddy. Helping a friend, uh, it might not be at a convenient time. It might bring you a little bit out of your comfort zone. But I think laying down one's life for a brother that needs help. And and, and by the way, let me say, in Christian life, I, I shouldn't even have to say this, but look, um, godly women need to counsel women that Mm -hmm. need help. Uh, A godly man needs to counsel a man. Uh, Please don't put yourself in a compromised, dangerous position where a man is counseling a woman and vice versa, Uh, unless it's like a husband and wife. Angie and I, Bert, I'm sorry, Jim, Angie and I have counseled many couples, but never, never members of the opposite sex alone unsupervised. So in the quest to do right, don't do wrong. (laughs) That's Let right. Just, you know, but the law of Christ means that I love my neighbor. And remember John 13, by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Care enough about a brother or sister that you're willing to invest in them that they might stay on the path with Jesus. Amen. You know, um, I, want to go, I, I don't want to belabor that, uh, but as we move into verse 2, as you mentioned, bear ye one another's burden so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Alex, you you remember church services that we used to call, you know, the the foot-washing service. 
Oh, yeah. And I think that's something that has been lost in the modern-day church for two reasons. Number one, most people are too proud to let someone else wash their feet. And Mm -hmm. secondly, most people are too proud to want to be the one washing the feet. And I think that fits in there with verse 3 where it says, if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. What a great example from Christ that he took, and he wanted to be sure that even though he was the Savior, the Son of God, he wanted them to know that he had come to serve. And I think in some aspects, we as the Church of of Christ in America— uh, especially, we have we've become we think ourselves something when we ought not. You know, uh, being a part of a foot washing service is incredibly life changing. I mean, it really is. Um, you remember in John thirteen, Jesus did that, and of course, you know, in the ancient world, it was dusty and dirty and very hot, and so a servant. The lowest of the servants would wash the people's feet before they'd come in there and they might have a meal together or whatever, but this was an important part of interacting with others, and I mean, it's dirty, it's a a humble and humbling work. I'm going to talk more about that. Jim, take us out this first break of Monday's show. All right, let's do it. Folks, we're in Galatians, the sixth chapter. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. That was Dr. Alex McFarland. I'm Jim Stanley in for Bert Harper, and we'll be back with more straight ahead. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Vanita Gupta, U.S. Associate Attorney General. She advises and assists the Attorney General and Deputy Attorney General in policies relating to civil justice, law enforcement, and public safety matters. Proverbs 19.20 reminds us of the importance of wise counsel. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Right now, with this in mind, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Vanita Gupta in her role at the Department of Justice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says one reason Jesus came to earth was to do something he couldn't do from heaven. We'll find out what that is as we spend two minutes with Tony. Every man born since Adam did not meet the righteous standard to be the one through whom God could reclaim the earth and bring the kingdom up there and manifest it down here. So what God decided to do was become a man. So he became a man, the deity of heaven entered the egg of a woman. So now we've got a man without sin because he's the God-man. But the reason he died was to render powerless the authority of the devil and to free people up to fulfill the purpose for him putting man here 
in the first place. So Jesus died so that the devil would have no more claims on you, me, or any other person. Which means, if the devil still has claim on you, either you are not saved or you don't understand what it means to be saved because the reason Jesus died was to take handcuffs off of you by taking the key away from the devil who holds you hostage. He says it is to set you free from the power of the devil. If that kind of freedom seems out of reach, Dr. Tony Evans wants you to know that it's really as close as your next breath. Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the Jesus link in the top menu, and let him explain what being a real Christian is all about. You'll also find some free resources you can download to help you get your new life started. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. It's a new horizon and I'm set on you and you meet me here today with mercies that are new. Oh yeah, my that are new and they're new daily. What a great reminder. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland. I almost said in for Dr. Alex McFarland, but I'm actually in for birth this, this week. And glad you're here. Well, you're very kind. All right, so uh, Bert's taking some much-deserved vacation. want to be very clear about that. He should be back on the air with us next Tuesday. Uh, although that being said, you will hear him Wednesday as we have a special program coming up. It's one that uh, the three of us recorded together. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to talk some about suicide, and that's always a hard topic, uh, but we, we felt like we would dedicate a program to that. And uh, Bert said he thought it turned out pretty good. I thought it turned out pretty good. Alex, I, I hope that you did yeah. too. I did too. And, yeah, you might want to tune in for that. On Wednesday, we're going to be looking at that very difficult topic of suicide. And, uh, you know, that, that's a topic that um, sometimes ministries don't really want to address, mm. but it is such a reality. In fact, Jim, uh, just here in our part of the world, um, last night there was a service at Pleasant Garden Baptist Church for um, a young adult person who took their own life. And so this is a topic that you might want to tune into Wednesday on Exploring the Word. And... Uh, I'm, I won't be there that day because that's our anniversary, and I'm taking Angie out, and so I thank God for a Christian spouse. But listen to this, folks. In Galatians 6, we were talking about bearing one another's burdens, and we, we referenced, you know, in Matthew 26 and uh, John, I believe it's John chapter 17, where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Um, years and years ago, when I was a youth pastor, uh, the church I was at, Friendly Avenue Baptist, Dr. Pat Cronin, he's in heaven now, but he started a tradition that at Easter we would reenact the Last Supper, but what we did in the Last Supper reenactment, um, we would, uh, Jesus, the person who portrayed the Lord, would wash everybody's feet. And generally the people around the table that uh, in the Last Supper reenactment 
uh, it would be the deacons, and we would all take turns washing each other's feet, the deacons and the staff. And I want to tell you, Jim, it was really life-changing, because as we said before the break, um, that is the, the, the act of a servant. Mm. And here is the Son of God, uh, God incarnate, and he washes the disciples' feet. And, of course, Peter said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. Jesus said, well, then you don't have any part of me. And Peter, good old Peter, I love the Apostle Peter. He said, well, then wash my hands, feet, all, every bit of me, you know, because I want to be uh, in you, Lord, and you in me. And so when Galatians 6 is talking about bearing one another's burdens, um, it really does mean taking on that, that posture of a servant. Jim, before the break, um, verse 4 is interesting. Let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Two things I want to pull out a little bit. Examine our works. Now, this is not works for salvation, but I think it's talking about looking at the work we do as a born-again believer. Let every man examine his work. Um, am I serving the Lord? Am I uh, helping those that are struggling? Am I making sure that I'm not overtaken in a fault? Um, don't you think, Jim, that we have to re regularly take inventory at how we're serving the Lord, examining our work, and making sure that we're uh, being the fruitful Christian God designed us to be? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we can't just put it on autopilot, can we? No, we can't. And and I was, um, I apologize. I was looking at the next verse there that that's coming up uh, because it it goes back and it, it we're talking about individual responsibility, and so as when we look there at verse three, uh, when we look for if anyone thinks himself to be something, uh, he deceives himself. And then it goes on there in four, said, let each one examine his own work, and then he'll re rejoice in himself alone and not in another, for each shall bear his own load. Uh, you know, Alex, that's not contradicting verse two. Verse five doesn't contradict verse two, because in verse two, we're talking about helping each other. We're talking about helping each other, but then... In verse 5, uh, you know, the King James uses the same phraseology. New King James changes it just a little, but where it says each one shall bear his own load, that really comes back to a point of individual responsibility, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And, and let me say, when this uh, clause talks about have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, mm -hmm. um. I'm not going to do complete justice to this, but let me just say, I want you to think about your church, and every church has a lot of uh, things going on, from the choir and the praise team, to the Sunday school teachers, to maybe serving on the finance committee, or personnel, or being on outreach, or maybe you are involved in the prayer committee. Oftentimes, we go into church and we think, wow, you know, Somebody needs to reach those youth. Uh, somebody really ought to do that. Somebody needs to help with the discipleship program. Somebody ought to do that. Here's the thing. When it says rejoice in your work and not somebody else, at the very least, Jim, I think we need to stop assuming somebody else is going to do the work of the gospel. That's right. You know, 
AFA is great. I, I sure do hope people support that. No, you support it, and I'll support it. And, and let's remember that God wants to use each one of us. And Jim, I, I've met a lot of people, but I've never met somebody else. Quote unquote. <laughs> so you I, know I haven't I mean? met anyone that changed their name to that either. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to praying for revival in America, mm. when it comes to reaching out to that unsaved neighbor, we, we can't wait for quote somebody else. That's right. But but the Lord might use us, and I think Galatians six four might be alluding to let, let's let's get in the game. I believe you're, and let me share this from the Amplified. It's a, because it it really says what you just did. It says, but let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commend, commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. In other words, if you go in and you happen to walk into the kitchen of the church and it smells kind of funky because the trash was left there from last week and you take the trash out and you spray it down with Lysol, then you don't go tell everybody that you did that because that's something that you, that, that you did because it needed doing, but it's not necessarily something that everybody needs to know. And, and that's one of those cases there that if you say, well, somebody else is going to do that, and everybody's going to come in to get coffee before Sunday school, and everyone's going to be standing there going, "Man, this place smells funky," mm-hmm. you know. So, any, I, Jim, I agree you, with you wholeheartedly. God bless you. God bless you. You know, it's been said it's amazing what you can accomplish for the Lord when you don't care who gets the credit. That's right. And you know what, the Lord, everything you do for Christ, everything you do for Jesus, the Lord knows. And your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So we don't need to tell anybody. We just keep on doing it for the Lord. Verse 5. And by the way, Jim, hey, listen, folks. Jim referenced a time or two the, the Amplified Bible. It is wonderful. We we often get questions about good Bible translations mm-hmm. and study Bibles. I've actually got my mom's Amplified New Testament that she got probably in the 50s or something. But um, Jim... The, the Amplified Bible, for a lot of the, the very interesting words, in parentheses, it'll have two or three of the accurate renderings. And so you, you learn all these different shades of meaning for each of these the important words. And uh, that, that's a really special translation, isn't it? It is. Now, if you're going to use it often, you may want to add about 10 or 15 minutes to your devotion time. Because of—no, yeah. I'm just kidding— uh, it's a great it's a great tool. You know, the, we get that we do get that question often, and uh, we've answered it several times. Of which we considered some of the trusted uh, resources that are out there, and the Amplified Bible is certainly one of those. Now, yeah. I would always I'm always going to probably preach from the King James, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to have something else there with it. And I, that's I'm just an old guy. I can't help myself. You know, what's interesting is um, Galatians 6 has three sets of five verses each. Now, we just did one through five that's, you know, bear each other's burdens and hold each other's mm-hmm. arms up, you know. Now, uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, I'm going to summarize it. Uh, and I know, believe me, I realize coming from a preacher, this is going to sound self-serving. 
but I'm just reading the Word of God. But Galatians 6, 6 through 10, basically says, take care of and pay your preacher. (laughs) You know? All right. Let him who is taught in the Word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for what... Ever a man sows, that also will he reap. For he who sows to his flesh will out of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And very famous verse, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not or do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, 6 and 10 uh, and again, I, I don't mean to be self-serving or, um, you know, uh, what's a conflict of interest in saying this, but if you're being blessed, you need to look after your ministers. Mm-hmm. And Jim, I'll, I'll say this and I'll throw to you. Um, I, I, I've seen the blessing and the favor of God is very often directly contingent to how well a church um, esteems and takes care of their preacher. Now, and I don't mean the the pastor should not be accountable. I mean the pastor should absolutely be accountable. But I've been in some churches, and they 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 go through preachers like going through you know a pair of dirty socks. And they, I mean, there are churches that have just been you know um, a revolving door, and they wear out preachers and cast them aside like they have no value and churches like that don't have the blessing and the favor of god and i've been and look the pastor needs to work hard be accountable and give it all he's got but when a church esteems and looks after their pastor the blessing of god comes with that i believe jim amen i i would agree with that wholeheartedly uh, because you know the the person that's there that if if they are a bivocational minister and they feel that that's what God's called them to do where they, they work on the side and they pastor, that's fine. And if that's okay with the church, that's fine. But if you are the body of Christ and you have a bivocational pastor, but you want a full-time pastor, then the church needs to make up the difference. And I, yeah. I say that just, you know, if, if you have a single vocation pastor where your pastor is full-time, I'm not saying the pastor needs to drive a Cadillac, but you who are part of that church body should at least make sure the car is running and has four good tires on it. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I mean that because there are some preachers who are going to take and, and they are so conscious of giving back that a lot of times it's just like you said, they give themselves out. And then they have nothing left to give. So you take care of the pastor uh, financially. You make sure the pastor has time for his family, that he is not at the church 24 hours a day. Uh, You know, whatever the, the structure of the church is, that's between them and their pastor. But you have to make sure the pastor has time for his own family so that he can better minister to yours and not lose them. And and. Go ahead, brother. I'm, I'm going to throw this in. While, while we're meddling, you know, they, right. they'll say, now you've gone to meddling. But let me tell you, I love the church. I want to say this. Uh, when the pastor goes, 
once a year to the denominational conference for five days. That's not a vacation. It is not. (laughs) I'm serious. I've had churches say, I've counseled with a lot of churches, and they'll say, well, well, once a year we send him to the convention or to whatever the denominational meeting is, and that's that's not a vacation. And, uh, you know, I I know there's some bad eggs out there, but 99.9% of all the pastors I've ever met are the salt of the earth and mm-hmm. hardworking, and that they deserve that we are good stewards of them. Uh, Jim, I, I've always loved, and of course this is just so true, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Listen, if, if, you, if you want um, a corn crop, you don't plant mothballs. You know, right. or If you want a good harvest, you've got to plant the right seed. And verse 8 says, For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap ever, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Listen, get saved and invest in your walk. Uh, Jim, I, I've spoken a few times down at Columbia Bible College, one of the great missionary schools, and on the back wall of the stage are these wonderful words in big three-foot-tall letters, to know him and make him known. Amen. And we are to know Christ, grow in Christ, and show Christ to this world. I think I think verse 8 uh, refers to that, and even verse 9. Uh, give me your read and your comment on verse 9, Jim. Will you? Well, uh, I will. We'll do that right Maybe after later. we come back from the break. Uh, folks, go ahead and give us a call at 888 Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. We're in the sixth chapter of Galatians, and we'll be back with more of that and your phone calls straight ahead on AFR. Announcing AFA.net slash connect. It's the one click that will link you to so many AFA platforms. Pick and choose which updates you want to receive. Easily subscribe or unsubscribe. American Family Studio. And to quote our privacy policy, American Family Association will not sell, rent, or lease your personal information to outside organizations. AFA Journal. Make a better connection with AFA at AFA.net slash connect. Made in God's image. The Bible talks about this concept. But what does it mean? And how does it apply to our sexuality and our gender? I'm Charles Morris. Won't you join me for Haven Today all week as we look at these ideas on a series called In His Image. Haven Today, weekday mornings at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After Jesus resurrected Lazarus, his and Lazarus' fame spread. They already planned to kill Jesus, but now, because Lazarus was tangible evidence of Jesus' resurrection power, the chief priests and Pharisees plotted to kill Lazarus too. They never worried about Lazarus before, but now, because he is a walking billboard of Christ's power, They want him dead, too. This, brothers and sisters, is why many come against you. It isn't personal, but satanic forces can't stand your representation of God's power to transform lives. That's why we rejoice when we're slandered for his namesake. 
Christ's power is on display. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus says this, The Sabbath was made for man. Sheet music might look confusing, but all the symbols on the page are a code that tells a musician what notes to play and when to play them. But not all of the symbols on a sheet of music are notes. Some of them are rests. They tell the musician when not to play. If you don't take the rests, then you're not really playing the music as it's meant to be played. The original Bible word for Sabbath simply means rest. In the Bible, God has established a pattern for us to work hard and then to rest. Now, God never gets tired, but we sure do. Don't ignore your need for rest. Rest is God's gift to keep us going strong. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Well, what a great thought. That's Big Daddy Weave and Hold Me Jesus, song originally mm. from Rich Mullen. And Alex, I'm sure you remember that one, too. Bob, I love that song. You know, when we talk about that and Hold Me Jesus right there, when you just before we went to the break, you asked me about verse 9. And it says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, sometimes we just need to let Jesus hold us. Now, I, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of memes, and I'm, for whatever reason, my head went to this song when I thought about hold me, Jesus. Uh, in the back of my head, I heard Jesus take the wheel. Uh, we don't need Jesus to take the wheel, as, as one of these memes say. We need him to take his sandal off and spank us from time to time. But <laughs> oh, yep. in this instance, that's not what we need. We need to, and I like this because we don't want to be weary in well-doing. And it's not just talking about being tired. But if we look at Luke 18, 1, he then told them a parable on, on the need for them to pray always and not become discouraged. Uh, it's not just talking about physical weakness there and physical tiredness there, Alex. It, it's actually just talking about um, and whole as the whole person is. You know, we serve a Trinitarian God because we have a you know we have spirit, soul, and and body, and so uh, we we have to be careful that we take care of all of that, don't we? Well, we we really do, and you know there can be just uh, almost a fatigue of soul. You know, uh, Vance Havner uh, used to say this. He said, "Show me a person whose Bible is falling apart, and chances are their life isn't." Mm. And you know, the Bible talks about Jesus would come apart and rest. And Vance Havner said, "If you don't come apart, you'll come apart." <laughs> and, and that. <laughs> Oh, he could he could turn a phrase. He was something else. But so we do need to attend to 
our, our soul, our spiritual life. And I tell you what, tomorrow Jim and I will finish up Galatians 6. Right now we're going to go to telephone calls, and we love to hear from you. Maybe if you're, um, you, you're a frequent listener and you've never called in yet, uh, make this the, the week you call in to Exploring the Word. By the way, the number is 888-589-8840. We'll take your Bible questions, 888-589-8840. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. I do want to remind you, Bert and I have our first book coming out this fall, which is the top 100 questions from the first 10 years of Exploring the Word. And uh, it's going to be coming out with Broad Street Publishing. And Bert and I have worked on it actually since July of last year. And uh, Tim Wildman gave his blessing, and we proceeded on that. And when that book of 100 questions and answers comes out, in early September, we'll be letting you know about it. Sure will. Folks, the phone number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. And Alex, uh, tomorrow we are going to finish up in the book of Galatians, as you mentioned. We, after that, what do you say, because on Wednesday we have the pre-tape, um, what do you think about having Thursday as a uh, fire away Thursday? How, how would that <laughs> work for us? I think that's a great idea, and so let's do that. So that, that'll be great. We'll get two full shows this week, Thursday and Friday, where we'll take all calls all hour. Well, now remember, Friday is where we answer some questions that we got uh, from the Internet and even oh, that's from right. your I'm recent sorry. time at the Billy Graham event where we people had, you, had sent you some questions. Well, let's talk, we did. let's talk to Jerry calling from Mississippi. Jerry, welcome to Exploring the Word. Fred and Dr. Alex, how are you all doing? Good. Yes, uh, my question is, the Bible says, uh, I think that's long you to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So is there a scripture as far as the eternal state of a unbeliever? Does he immediately go to hell or in torment? That's my question. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. Um, and, and let me say this. You mentioned 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Um, and by the way, there's so much rich, you know, Paul wrote, we know if the this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building not made with hands, eternal with God. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, of course, famously says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures, if I may, in um, Luke chapter 16, the rich man uh, died and was in hell. It says he opened his eyes and he was in hell. And so instantly, you know, let me see, for the Christian to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but for the one who rejects Jesus to be absent from the body is to be absent from the Lord. But if you read in Revelation uh, 20, Verse 14, uh, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, that's frightening to, to even ponder, Revelation 20:14. But Jim, as I read Scripture, just as the believer is instantly with Christ at the moment of death, the unbeliever... Luke 16 and 
Uh, well, and I'll give you one last scripture, and I'll throw it to Jim Stanley, but John 8, 24, Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am he, in other words, the Messiah, if you do not believe that I am he, said Jesus, you will die in your sins. Mm. Uh, so, folks, that let's, let's make sure that we have our house in order. Absolutely. Jerry, thanks for the phone call. We're going to talk to Max from Mississippi. Max, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Hey, Max. Yeah. I wanted to tell the uh, brethren that, uh, yeah, I'm a retired primitive Baptist, washed feet many times, and I'm retired Army, and I'm just waiting for Jesus at age 88. Mm, Amen. (laughs) Bless you. Max, thank you for your service in the Army but also thank you for your service in the army of the Lord and being an example uh, to those around you. So thank you for your phone call. Exploring the Word on American Family Radio, 888-589-8840. Going to talk to John from Texas. John, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, brothers. How are you today? Good. Doing well. Good. Glad to hear it. Love the show. I had a real quick question. I've listened to you guys quite a, uh, quite a long time. Um, I, I, I honor uh, the Saturday Sabbath, and I know you guys honor the Sunday Sabbath, but you had mentioned that uh, the reason that you do so is because you believe that our rest, our Sabbath is in Jesus. And I know you know the history, Constantine, and all that fun stuff. So I was just curious if you could elaborate, and I'm going to jump off the call so I, I can listen. And, and I love you guys' show. God bless you, gentlemen, and thank you. All right, John, thanks for the call. Alex, I know this one's right in your wheelhouse. Well, yeah, you know, if you read Hebrews chapter 4, it it says that he is our rest. And so the early church, um, and and thank you for listening, and thank you for that gracious call, and and I don't mean to disagree with you, but really, um, we don't observe a Sunday Sabbath. We don't. Uh, the, the early church worshiped on Sunday because that was the day that Jesus had risen. And so, I mean, if you read some of the early, even some of the Romans that opposed the early church, they talked about the fact that uh, the Christians rise a great while before sunlight on the first day of the week and worship and sing hymns to Christ as to a God. Pliny wrote that. Uh, a Roman historian. So Christians worship on the first day of the week, Sunday, not because it's Sabbath, but because that was Resurrection Day. Now, I I think it's healthy to take a day of rest, but really, um, we don't... The the Jewish Sabbath that was Saturday, and by the way, Saturday still is the, the Sabbath day for Jews. We don't make that part of the gospel because Christ completely fulfilled the law. And while I think it is good stewardship to observe a day of rest uh, and to be, you know, careful with your body and get plenty of sleep, but um, there's really no obligation in the New Testament for a believer to keep the Sabbath. All right. Thank you, Alex. Let's talk to Joshua now calling from Louisiana. Joshua, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, Joshua. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, uh, I just want to say I'm a first-time uh, caller. I really appreciate listening to you guys. Uh, my question is, uh, regarding prayer, I've been wrestling with this for a while. Do we pray not the Father as 
just told the disciples, like his, he started with uh, Okay, Joshua, you're breaking up, but I, I think that uh, you've given the call screener some information as well. You gave Marty some information. And Alex, uh, his question is talking about praying to God the Father or straight to Jesus. Well, it's impossible to pray to Jesus without praying to God. Now, if you look at the example that Jesus set, he would pray to the Father. And even when he prays for us, you know, he's praying to the Father. But if we understand the triune God, we understand that uh, when we pray, we're actually praying uh, to the Father in the name of Jesus by the way of the Holy Spirit. And so, Alex, you know, when we look at that, that can, for for a new believer especially, that can be kind of tricky, can it? Yeah, and, and you know, we, we often say, Dear God, or we'll pray to Jesus, or we'll say, Heavenly Father. Do you know what? Um, because of the indivisibility of God, God can't be separated. And there's, there's one God, and this is as Jim alluded to the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, always perfectly unified in seamless uh, unity, God. Um, you could pray, Holy Spirit, dear Holy Spirit, lead me. Uh, and so whether you say Jesus, Father, Spirit, or Lord, um, if you're in your mind praying to the biblical God, um, it's, all, it's all the same because God is not divided. And so I, I do think if you read John 15 and 16, three times Jesus said, if you pray according to my will, according to my word, in my name, I will do it. So, I, I, you know, for 2,000 years, Christians have prayed in Jesus' name. Um, we're, we're appealing to God the Father with the sanctioning of God the Son. Uh, I think that's, that's a powerful way to pray, but regardless... Like you said, Jim, because of the the unity and the wholeness of the Trinity, either or and all, we're right. talking to the Lord, aren't we? We sure are, and and that's why I said, you know, sometimes um, it it can be confusing for for a new believer. By the way, I want to encourage you with with one other verse there. Um, when we look at Hebrews, we find that right now Christ is praying for us. You know, so he is standing at the right hand of the Father. I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father. But there in Hebrews, in, in uh, pardon me, chapter 7 and verse 25, it says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. And that's something important Amen. to remember to Joshua. Thank you for your call. Let's talk to Andy now. Alex, did you have anything else, brother? I heard your pages flipping. No, I, a, amen. No, I'm just amening you. All right. Um, Andy from Arkansas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I had a common question, but it's important to me, at least. Uh, okay, if, if a man, I'm just going to tell you my story. You know, I was on drugs when I was younger, and I, I have a problem with alcohol to this day, and uh, I'm pushing 50. Is it possible for a man to be a Christian? I believe I am, but I want to hear your answer. And also, I mean, is God going to turn me over to a reprobate mind or maybe take me home early? All right, so Andy, if I understand that, you're struggling with alcohol and you want to know if you and, and drugs, and you want to know if you can still be a Christian. Is that right? 
Well, yeah, I, I know what I believe, but I'd love your answer. Yeah. All right, Alex, um, I'm going to say what I think, and then you correct me if I'm wrong, okay? You can mm. be a Baptist and be a Christian. You can be a Methodist and be a Christian. You can be a Catholic and be a Christian. And just because we try to put away the ways of flesh, because we struggle with those with that flesh, how do we, how, why would we think we're any better than than Paul, the apostle? Because he had things that he struggled with too. You know, he had the constant thorn in his flesh, and then he had he had other struggles, and he would tell you, you know, that he was the chief of sinners. So, Alex, I'm I'm going to say that we come to Christ to help us with our struggles and hopefully be delivered from our struggles. But it it doesn't mean that sometimes the t- t- temptations of flesh goes away, does it? Yeah, that's true. One of the great Christian leaders of the last 50 years was uh, Dr. Stephen Olford, O-L-F-O-R-D. Uh, and Jim, did you do you know who Stephen Olford was? Do you I've heard him? of him, yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. And he, was, he taught preaching, and he was a giant, and, and he taught a class— at one of the Billy Graham schools of evangelism that I went to, and I took a class with Dr. Alford, and he was 80-something years old. And it, he said, all my life, I, he made a confession. He said that he had struggled with lust. Mm. And But here's the thing. Paul said this in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verse 12. Paul said, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. Right. Uh, I will not be dominated by anything. And so... Uh, pray about that and let the Spirit of the Lord dominate you, not alcohol or anything that would maybe compromise your walk and your witness for Christ. Amen. Good stuff. Folks, this has been Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. That was Alex McFarland. I'm Jim Stanley. Don't forget, you can find Alex's schedule and how to bring him to your community simply by visiting alexmcfarland.com. Have a great afternoon. Stay tuned for more straight ahead on AFR. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.